Auburn made made a deep run in the basketball, which, God, it's been forever, like 1999 since that happened. So it's been 20 years since Auburn's been relevant in basketball. And the baseball team made the College World Series. So if your teams are doing well in other sports besides football, it doesn't take long for football to get here. But no national championships to bring and report back to you, Jonathan. That is a down a downside of it, but, hey, if, if, if you're an Auburn fan out there, I just wanted to say you better be happy making the Final Four. Heartbreaking loss to Virginia. We'll get over it. But now, my question to you, Jonathan, how motivated will Auburn be in football considering the baseball and basketball programs um, made it to the highest levels, really, you can in, in baseball and basketball? Does that, does that have anything to do with motivation for the football team? I'm sure the players think about it a little bit. I mean, you know, athletes hang out with other athletes, and uh, you get those guys together, and you know they they all want to they all want to compete and, and try and one up each other, if you will. It's one of the great things about being an athlete is the competitive drive. So I'm sure this football team has a little bit of extra oomph in their step this year because they also want to be a proud a source of pride within the university, like basketball and baseball uh, were this year. Yeah, I think it's uh, Auburn's always been a football school, really, and even when they suck, it's still a football school, and it's the football team is usually better than the basketball and baseball team even with a six and six season. So, we look at our preseason polls, Jonathan, and you know you and I talk about preseason polls, what they're worth. Uh, the Florida Gators came. In. I'm convinced your team is a top 25 team. I mean, are you with me on that, or would you disagree and say, okay, it's week zero, uh, a lot to iron out, but I'm telling you, Miami can't block, and Florida was Bubba Frank. I mean, as a quarterback, he is not the answer. Give me your thoughts on that sloppy play game last night that just was sloppy. I mean, just terrible. Uh, yeah, I mean, coming into the year, um, in my personal rankings, I had Miami at 20 and Florida at 21. So I, I anticipated a neck-and-neck battle uh, going into that game last night. Um, you know, I mean, obviously we knew both teams quarterback situations were a little iffy. I mean, Felipe Franks, I would say, is an average college quarterback, and Jaron Williams, we had no idea what we were going to get with, and, you know, based off of one-game sample size, that's the best quarterback they've had since Brad Kaya. Uh, but we did know that both secondaries were going to be thin because of suspensions and injuries and whatnot, and we also knew both defensive lines were, were extremely talented, and, and Miami's offensive tackle situation was a question, as we saw last night, the offensive tackle situation is a problem. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, they're starting a, le- a true freshman left tackle who they list generously at 280, 285. That kid soaking wet in full pads after a big old pasta dinner at 275. Yeah, like, he, just, he wasn't ready. Yeah, and that stage, that's, that's tough to come from high school to be at. You know, we talk about quarterback, but left tackle. I mean, to me, it's harder to come in from high school and start at left tackle than it is these days to come in and start at quarterback. That's the, 
that's just a grown man's position. When you're playing on that offensive line, there's not too many freshmen, especially at the left tackle position, uh, is ready to make that step. Because think about how much strength and weight you put on from the time you graduate high school, say until even your midway through your sophomore year, Jonathan. That's that's where you become a man during those years. When you become a junior, you're you're right there where you need to be. But he wasn't ready. But how's that going to benefit him going down the road? Game one in that kind of you know big game, big stage. How's that going to how's that going to benefit him? Well, I mean, the the positive upside here is that now he has tape to look at and see what he can work on in in his technique. Um, as far as getting off the line, uh, you know, his, his kick stats, his his hand placement, and whatnot. You know, I mean, you just hope that uh, the kid isn't too uh, rattled from from what happened. Because I mean, at the end of the day, he got his tail whipped. There's no doubt about that. The left tackle and the right tackle both got their tails whipped. And there, there's two ways you can go about this. You can learn from this and try and get better each and every week, or you can do it. We saw at Florida State last year with our left tackle, Juwan Williams, who just got whipped and then mentally broke down. Um, you know, so it, it's all about wh- which direction do you take this. I think Miami coaching staff is a good coaching staff. It's a positive coaching staff. Um, definitely, you know, we'll try and build these kids up and get them up to another level. I mean, but as we talk about that, let's not forget that Florida's offensive line did not look much better on the exterior with their tackle situation as guys like Jonathan Garvin, who obviously is a supremely talented defensive player, second-team all-conference last year, and Trevon Hill, who probably would have been all-conference last year if um, he hadn't gotten kicked out of Virginia Tech. You know, those guys came, and, and they got after the quarterback as well. So, I mean, my big takeaway from that game was uh, that both offensive tackle uh, spots on both squads are very very shaky as of right now. Um, you know, the nice thing is that you do get the bye week before you play your next opponent, and and that's that's time for you to develop your technique and whatnot. But uh, it's just, I, I got to be honest, I don't know how much improvement you're truly going to see out of those positions throughout the season because it's one of those things where you kind of are what you are. Uh, it's not like a quarterback or a receiver, running back, even like a DB or a linebacker, where you know the mental side of the game is something you can develop and continue to grow out through the season and get better and better. Uh, along the trenches, it's more of a physical battle, and what you are physically is really what you are for that year, especially considering that linemen throughout the course of the year will actually lose weight from where they are in week one. Yeah, I I kind of agree with that, but one thing that I, I see offensive lines become better is just, you know, learning the playbook, learning learning the quarterback, really, and just gelling together as a unit. I've seen that happen a lot. But as an individual lineman, you usually don't make a ton of improvements early in the game, early, you know, from the first. And, You're going to be physical um, in week four or five. So we'll see about that. That was a, a game I Florida to win that game. Uh, didn't know about the cover. Uh, didn't touch it, really. It's just hard to pick, you know, the game. The money line was going the under. But it was just too, I don't know, it's just too hard to predict. I think next week's games I have a little better feel on. But – 
but we'll talk about that. But uh, preseason rankings, again, if you're an AP voter right now and you saw what you did last night, I guess depending on what you see week one in college will depend on if Florida is really a top ten team or not. Looking at it double uh, with some big defensive lines. I know Florida plays Auburn this year. They play LSU every year. They play Georgia. They play Florida State. So they're they're gonna they're gonna play some big time defensive lines going forward. But hey, I don't wanna I don't wanna forget one thing I wanna talk about before we get into college and the bigger stories, but the retirement of Andrew Luck. I hope everybody out there has not had their fantasy draft yet because Andrew Luck announced last night that he was retiring. And I want reason I'm bringing this up, too, is imagine you're Andrew Luck. It wasn't supposed to get out, but you know how social media is. It leaked. He's on the field during a, a preseason game, and he gets booed. I mean, I guess – I mean, the, the fans are emotional, but do you really boo him, Jonathan? I mean, the guy's a little soft. Let's go ahead and say that. But he had a decision for the fans to go off on him like that. Or was it no, just frustration? I well, I, I think it was twofold. I think the fans were frustrated because it happened in the middle of the game. Um and that leaked out the way it did. Now, Andrew Luck and his camp are, are rightfully um, annoyed by the way that all went down because they were going to announce it uh, today. And, and he was going to announce it to the team and let everybody know. He'd already let the owner know. They've already had that conversation. Uh, but he was going to announce yeah. it to his teammates and whatnot and have an actual, uh, a, a real scripted press conference, if you will, today, whereas yesterday it was a little off the cuff. Um, Look, I understand completely why Andrew Luck wants to retire. I, I do. Um, you know, he's had seven surgeries in nine years. Uh, you know, he lost an entire year to a shoulder injury. Uh, he's had lacerated kidneys and, and, you know, obviously the arm issues and leg issues and, and ribs and whatnot. Like, I get it. He's physically deep down. And when you feel like you're in a constant cycle of just trying to rehab and, and fix injury after injury, I understand it, uh, you know, because mentally that will wear on you after a while. And, and at some point you have to think, man, it'd be really nice, I don't know, to, you know, go for a walk with my kids or chase after my kid as they're running around, um, you know, the, the beach or whatever. And Andrew Luck hit a point where he's like, I've made enough money. Um, and physically, I don't know if I can continue to perform at a high enough level to where it's beneficial for any of the parties involved. It's just it, it, his press conference is real emotional, and and it just it was you could tell it was a very tough decision that it weighed on him. But at the end of the day, I I, I don't um, I don't have anything negative to say uh, about Andrew Luck because it's just it's one of those things where unless you walk in those shoes and you go through all the rehab and injury, um, and like like he did, it's just it's it's gotta be miserable, you know. Yeah. Hey, Jonathan, am I still breaking up a little bit? Yeah, you're fine right now. Okay, let me know. Stop me in it. Don't worry about it. Hey, uh, this in a while, so don't be ashamed to say, Brian, check yourself, baby. Check yourself. Um, <laughs> let me know. I just want to. I just want to. I just want to be clear, man. I just want to be clear. But yeah, um, 
I'm excited, man. I'm I'm just excited about the NFL coming up. Got the Sunday ticket, Max, ready to go. Um, dropped Cam Newton from my fantasy team, just so everybody knows. I traded. Now, listen to this trade, Jonathan, before we get serious in our talks. I had Nick Chubb on my team. I drafted him about the last round last year in a keeper league. I traded him straight up for Aaron Rodgers. Do you think that was a good trade? I, I mean, I'd have to know what the quarterback situation overall is, but if I remember your team, Cam Newton was your quarterback. Um, so if, if Aaron Rodgers upgrades you at quarterback compared to that, sure. I mean, obviously it depends on what your other running back depth is as well. But, I mean, I think it's a fair deal because the way I look at running backs nowadays is you have four, you have a four- or five-year window truly with them. Um, so you got to maximize the value while you can within that window. And if you can turn them into a, a top-10, top-five fantasy quarterback, for running back who's probably going to be top 10, top 15-ish, but you have a couple other guys ready to step into the stable, you're perfectly fine. Yeah, I have two or three, actually. I have uh, Gurley, which, you know, he's still a borderline right now. I've got Kamara for the Saints, and I have Carrion Johnson. So one of those has got to go. Um, got Julio and uh, Hopkins as my receivers. But I can't think of the guy. Kansas, what's Kansas City starting quarterback's name? Mahomes. I've got Mahomes and Rodgers as my two quarterbacks now. So that's oh, a good combo. So some, somebody's got about to get skull drug week one. Um, <laughs> those, oh, by the way, the guy called me. Remember last year when I dropped Brady? Yeah. And I traded up. And I picked Mahomes. The guy said I was stupid. He called me the other day and apologized. Uh, he was wrong about that trade. And I was like, yeah, I think you were you were a little bit wrong about it, blasting me like you did. But, hey, I'm here. Fan- Are you playing fantasy this year? Uh, yeah, I did re-up in my keeper league. Um, I'm projected, according to ESPN, to finish 15th in my league. So I can't wait to win the division for a fourth year in a row. Yeah, not not just allowed to be predictive like that and come in and win it all. That's what I'm about to do. I don't think I'm going to get this team. Breaking up. Change to another set of headphones. There you go. Go on now. Working out the kinks, y'all. It's week one. It happens. It happens uh, the of us. How does that sound, buddy? Hey, that sound look good? at that. Yeah, it does. All right. I, to take those. I think these Bose headphones are about one pound, so I put some Bluetooth in. So, um, anyway, looking at uh, week one, man, you, you got to – you got to look at college football and think again, Jonathan. I think we talked about this last year, how the college dropped the ball again with the scheduling week one. Um, you got really one or two games, and this is your week. Before Labor Day weekend, you get Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night, and Sunday night. You get all of this time for the world to be watching you. And the biggest game you could come up with is Auburn and Oregon. So 
Give me your thoughts on week one matchups. I mean, I know you're excited like I am for college football to be here, and my team's playing somebody good in Oregon. But in overall view, what do you think? I mean, I think it's a little better job of scheduling week one. Yeah, I mean, they can. Um, obviously, week, week one is not bright and shiny this year. Uh, like we would love, uh, you know, Thursday night we do have a couple good matchups, uh, you know, Cincinnati, UCLA, and then the Holy War in Utah, BYU. So it, it is a nice double stack on Thursday. Friday is pretty light. Uh, I mean, your biggest match is what, Wisconsin, USF, and I really don't know if that's going to be much of a game, but we'll see with uh, Wisconsin uh, starting uh, Jack Cohen at quarterback, uh, not somebody I'm entirely uh, high on, but USF also starting Blake Barnett. So, <laughs> um, you know, and then you have uh, – I mean, anything else on Thursday that tickles? I mean, Georgia Tech-Clemson, your first ACC network game, uh, the game's going to be a blowout, so good job on that one. Uh, your best small school game that you're going to want to pay attention to but you can't watch on TV is FIU-Tulane. That obviously is probably going to be a good game. Like I said, Friday, I mean, it just seems like a lot of lopsided games. Wake Forest-Utah uh, State may be your best game. Uh, and then, you know, Colorado State-Colorado is like a fun rivalry game, but both teams are bad, so good luck with that. And, it's like, as far as Saturday goes, uh, I mean, your noon slot, Memphis and Ole Miss is probably your bellwether game. Uh, your afternoon slot, boy, I mean, South Carolina, North Carolina, I guess, maybe. I mean, it's a year one North Carolina with a true freshman quarterback, so that could be an issue. Uh, Virginia Tech Boston College could maybe be intriguing if you have ACC network. Northwestern Stanford, in all honesty, may be your best game. And then your night slate, I mean, we have obviously, uh, you know, a couple marquee games. Um, you know, Virginia's playing Pitt, which, you know, is a game that a lot of people won't care about. But, I mean, if you're going to tune in, tune in to check on Virginia and see what they're going to look like this year. Uh, that's a team with a lot with high expectations. Georgia Southern mm-hmm. LSU is whatever. George Vanderbilt to blow out. Uh, and like you said, I mean, it's, it's Auburn, Oregon, obviously uh, – you know, I'll be in Jacksonville, Florida State, takes on Boise State. And then your night game is Fresno State-USC, which, I mean, it'll be interesting to see what <laughs> USC will be. Uh, but having that at 1030 feels Not like – Yeah, I mean, you know, and then su- Sunday, Houston-Oklahoma, maybe, sure, possibly, as long as De'Aaron King's playing. And then Monday, I mean, they really dropped the ball on Monday. Notre Dame at Louisville on Monday is a – I mean, horrible scheduling there. Um, just yeah, absolutely horrible terrible. scheduling man. Well, let's let's go through the top ten real quick. We'll look at AP poll, and and I'll tell you a team where they rank, and tell me if they're overrated in your mind or underrated. Yeah, they beat Georgia last year in a bowl game. New year now. Is Texas back number one and number two? What do you think about that number 10 ranking? I'm actually good with it this year. You tell me what you think. Uh, I may think that ranking for Texas is a little high. Um, I'm just, I'm not, I'm, I'm still not believing that Texas is back, if you will. Um, obviously, last year was a good year, uh, but we've seen a lot of teams where it's like, hey, here's one year, and the next year, poof, oh, crap, they're really not back. Uh, Florida's teased us with that a couple times. Um, so, and yeah, I, I get, I'm in a little more of a wait-and-see mode, if you will, with Texas. There were a couple other teams that I would have ranked ahead of them. Um, 
but you know, all, all in all, I mean, if I was going to drop him, I probably wouldn't have dropped him lower than 15. So I guess it's really not that bad of a ranking considering who follows right behind them. All right, Notre Dame is nine. Right off the playoff. Uh, I actually don't have an issue with that. I think Notre Dame's going to be a solid team again this year. Um, I, I don't know if they're a playoff caliber team, but I mean, the, the issue for Notre Dame last year was they ran to Clemson, and Clemson and Alabama separated themselves so far from the rest of the pack at this point that I don't really know if it would have mattered who would have been in that matchup, maybe outside of Georgia, who Georgia had a you know a bad showing in the Sugar Bowl after yucking it up after Notre Dame lost. So I'm not thinking too highly of uh, uh, of them in either one of those games. So I think Notre Dame's going to be a good team again. I think Notre Dame is a top-10 team. Okay. Isn't that ready? Uh, you got them 21. Is that, or where, where do you have Florida in your preseason? Yeah, I have Florida at 21. Uh, it's a tough schedule. I think you're taking a step back. Uh, I think you have an average quarterback. You have a, a defensive back core, at least your corners, that are reliant upon true freshmen or guys who tore their ACLs last year. Uh, and offensive tackle, as we saw last night, it's kind of an iffy situation. And a bunch of receivers who have a lot of talent but have never really put it all together. Uh, so, yeah, I had Florida at 21. Um, so, yeah, obviously at number, top 10 Florida, I think, is way overblown. Yeah, yeah I, I don't think Franks will be the quarterback after a few weeks. He'll either get knocked out or he'll get replaced. Uh, seven, Michigan Wolverine. Jim Harbaugh is beating his best over Myers. Harbaugh had a game or two a year where he just choked. goes, I think having them in the top ten, I think having them at seven is a fine ranking. Um, I think they can make the playoffs this year uh, and, and win the Big Ten. Um, you know, it's a team that has a returning quarterback in Shea Patterson who, who's obviously uh, a talented and has shown flashes of brilliance at times. Uh, they, they have a, you know, a, a good receiving core. I think they have a good offensive line. Running back, question mark, they did lose uh, Chris Evans, a starting running back. Uh, he has been suspended for the year for uh, an academic issue. Um, and defensively, they should be fine. I mean, yeah, they lose Chase Winovich from Shane Gary. Now, I think with Shane Gary was more named in production. Losing Chase Winovich is a bigger loss. But Don Brown defenses, I mean, they just continue to pump out talented players. They picked up a top 100 uh, player nationally last year as a graduate transfer in Mike Dana. Uh, so I think they'll be fine on the defensive line. Um, yeah, I think they'll be fine in the secondary. The bigger issue is how do you replace Devin Bush? We'll see how that goes. Uh, and with the schedule, I do think it, it shakes out pretty well. Obviously, you get Ohio State at home this year, uh, as well as Michigan State. Uh, your, you know, real big uh-oh, road game, if you will. They're going to have to travel to Penn State, which you, me, and the free world knows is going to be a whiteout. And Penn State always seems to do well in the whiteout games. Uh, but I expect Michigan uh, to be a top-10 team throughout the uh, entire season. Well, number six, I have issues with number six. But I'm still not sold on their offense. Um, I just think some of these big games they play, 
they're struggling or, or not just that. Some of these smaller teams can get them, as we've seen over the last couple of years with Oregon. Don't, don't sleep on some of these teams like Troy that they play and, and lay an egg. But I have a big You're breaking up again. Uh, I mean, when it comes to LSU, uh, I actually have no issue with LSU being in the top ten. I have no issue with them at six. That's actually where I have them ranked. Um, I mean, yeah, Georgia Southern could be a struggle uh, just because Georgia Southern is is a quality ball club. We'll see how that goes. They have to travel to Texas and to Alabama, uh, which are obviously going to be two tough games. And I think you know, I think they can beat Texas. Uh, outside of that, I mean, the nice thing about their schedule is that your other road games are Mississippi State, Vanderbilt, and Ole Miss, which I think you can win all of those. And then you have A&M, Arkansas, Auburn, uh, Florida, Utah State, and Northwestern State at home. Uh, obviously, Florida's been a, a tricky rivalry. You know, LSU has won six in the past nine, but we have seen some weirdness uh, the past couple of years. And, uh, you know, I mean, Auburn, I, I know you know this better than than anybody, but, you know, as I learned from you guys, if Auburn's playing at LSU, you can go ahead and pack it in. For whatever reason, LSU seems to always win that game. And then for A&M, uh, they get LSU – uh, after go, going to Georgia. So, you know, obviously it's a, it's a very favorable uh, schedule for LSU. I think that they could be a team that uh, goes to a New York Six Bowl, probably gets a Sugar Bowl bid, uh, just because at the end of the day they're they're most likely going to lose to Alabama. Uh, it's just do they lose a the second game or not. If they lose a the second game, you know, there may be a, a secondary conversation about what bowl game they go to and whatnot. Uh, but, you know, I think LSU – uh, it's it a good team, and you know, yeah, you're obviously they're gonna have a good defense. The offensive line's good. You got a, ton, a bunch of talent, skill positions, and Joe Burrow's not a bad quarterback. Uh, I think he's an above-average quarterback. He's not great. Uh, he's above, you know, he's he's somebody that I I'd probably feel safe saying, yeah, you know, but, he's outside the top ten. But um, you know, I think we'll, we'll, we'll add let him, we'll, we'll add let the offensive coordinator call the plays and do what what he wants to do, or is he gonna handcuff? the coordinator like we've seen him do in the past. And that's, that's the biggest question mark, right? I mean, they brought in the guy from New Orleans. Uh, he's supposed to help revolutionize this offense. I mean, LSU and Michigan are in the same boat as far as that goes offensively. You know, will either one of these teams actually go ahead and embrace the quote-unquote modern offense and go fast-paced and spread them out and, and move forward or, or after maybe a tough game or – a uh, poor performance from the offense will they revert back to their old form. Uh, that's that's a big issue. Um, you know, so we'll see what happens with LSU. I actually expect Ogeron to kind of let the offense open up just because I, I don't know if he really is enjoying this whole let's just run into a brick wall and then we hit Alabama and can't score. Um, you know, so we'll, we'll see what happens. You know, Texas is obviously a huge test in that. I mean, look, if, if this offense sputters against Georgia Southern, they're going to go back to man ball against Texas. I firmly believe that. Uh, but I don't think they're going to sputter against Georgia Southern. Texas is going to be the test game. If they can, with their offense in the first half, get after Texas's defense, um, I think we'll see LSU run that spread out offense that they've been talking about. Uh, but I, like you said, it is, it is a huge question mark. And I like Texas in that game, by the way. Um, mm. Number five, Ohio State coming in at number five. Um, I think Herbert Meyer being gone will be better this year. But, again, he's a great recruiter. He's a great coach. 
Um, I think being gone this year will be less of a distraction, but then I think you start seeing Ohio State maybe maybe slip a little bit, especially in recruiting. But uh, I think they're a little too high at five. I would probably put Michigan at five and put Ohio State down at seven. Uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like that Ohio State and Michigan should be right next to each other at the end of the day. They're, to me, the two best teams in the conference. And I'm with you. I mean, maybe they shouldn't be five. Uh, but then, obviously, the question becomes, who should be five? And that's a whole other thing. But I'm, I'm kind of fine with the Ohio State ranking just because you're basing it off of they just keep hanging around that spot year after year after year, right? Um, I mean, losing Urban Meyer is a huge loss. You know, I mean, we got uh, a recruit because Urban Meyer retired. So I can only imagine how many other kids decided not to go to Ohio State because of that. And you saw a little dip in the recruiting. Um, You know, Greg Schiano is no longer a defensive coordinator. Alex Grinch, who's really the good defensive mind in that staff, is no longer there. You bring in Greg Madison uh, from Michigan, which every Michigan fan will tell you, okay, fine, you can have him. Um, you know, and then you're replacing Dwayne Haskins, you're replacing uh, Mike Weber, you're replacing uh, multiple receivers, multiple offensive linemen, uh, you know, Nick Bosa at defensive line, you're, I mean, but he didn't really play that much last year, Chase Young will be an animal, the secondary is a little iffy, uh, and linebacking core was not very great, uh, very good last year. So, I mean, Ohio State has a lot of question marks, but it's a lot of question marks on the team that recruiting-wise is top four in the country. Uh, so, you know, we'll see how, how much talent will win out there. Uh, the schedule is not too bad. Um, you know, they host Sparty. You have to go to Michigan. Um, you know, so I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens with Ohio State. Uh, I do expect them to be a, a Rose Bowl contender once again. I don't know if they're a playoff team. But here, here we go again with these Big Ten teams out of conference schedule, FAU, Cincy, uh, Miami of Ohio, um, they played three, and then they played nine conference games. But that's the thing about Michigan and, and Ohio State, like this year, they play nobody out of conference. So if you if you look at it, there's three wins automatically. And their road games, the only tough road game they have, I guess I'd say Nebraska is a tough road game. That's a tough place to play. Um, but Michigan, that's it. At Rutgers, at Northwestern. I mean, at Indiana, I mean, damn, Jonathan, looking at that kind of schedule with the road games, most teams will be able to cakewalk their way through that schedule. So so what, what I'm saying is if Ohio State's 9-0 and at some point, that doesn't mean they're a top-five team at that point. There's still, there's, there's still a lot. That's the problem with the Big Ten. You, you get their top-tier teams, they don't play anybody. Well, is I mean, Michigan state? is playing Notre Dame. Oh, this year? I thought they – Yeah. Let me see. Hold on. I'm sorry. Well, I mean, Ohio State rarely played. They they played Oklahoma and got their panties pulled down a couple of times, and I think they, they realized yeah. they weren't going to do that again. So when do they play, Michigan? Yeah, that's midway uh, through the season, October 26th. You're right. You're right. Yeah, that that's why a lot of people overlook it is because it's buried – uh, late in the year, usually that's a week two, a week three game, and it got buried this year uh, for uh, the week after Penn State. Um, yeah, I mean that's the thing with Notre Dame but or Michigan honest. is that they will they will schedule a Notre Dame or last year they scheduled a Florida or whatnot. Michigan will try to at least schedule. I mean, remember the one year they went and played Alabama. Ohio State, I feel like, does not care. <laughs> yeah, I remember that Alabama game. 
um, <laughs> it, it killed them the rest of the year. Remember that? It was like yeah, yeah after that Alabama game, they 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 sound a lot better now. Yeah. Okay, I, I did did away with any kind of headphones. Uh, for some reason in my house, I'm telling you, cell phone service can be spotty, especially if you're moving around and I'm not moving around. But I've got to go old school now. I've got to go back to the uh, drawing board here. Um, <laughs> but, 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 but let's be honest about Notre Dame. They're a Big Ten team. So right. Michigan playing Notre Dame to me is not – an out-of-conference game. I know it is, but Notre Dame needs to join a damn conference because I'm telling you now, Notre Dame, just say the same scenario happens again this coming up year, Jonathan, that happened last year. You've got Georgia lost on the road to LSU, and then they had Alabama beaten pretty good in the SEC championship game and lost. Was Georgia one of the four best teams at the end of the year last year? I think so. Notre Dame gets in there again, maybe with, you know, one loss or something or or even undefeated. I think the committee may question Notre Dame and not let them in, even if they're undefeated. I think if Notre Dame is undefeated, they get in. Um, yeah, I mean, they do play uh, a, a power five schedule for the most part uh, with their five ACC games. Uh, obviously, they play USC Stanford. Uh, and Michigan, you know, they're 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 they only play with three teams who aren't power five teams, and that's uh, Navy, Bowling Green, and New Mexico. Outside of that, Louisville, Georgia, Virginia, USC, Michigan, Virginia Tech, Duke, Boston College, Stanford. I mean, if you told me Notre Dame was eleven and one with a win over either Michigan or Georgia, I think they get in. Uh, those are obviously both two tough road games. Uh, you know, if they're ten and two, yeah, whatever. We'll see in like the the Gator Bowl. Um, but, you know, I mean, it's, it's, the, the yeah. thing with Notre Dame, I have to give them credit, is that they will try and schedule an opponent. You know, obviously Texas back-to-back years, now Georgia two out of three years. Uh, they will go out of their way to, to, to schedule uh, teams. You know, I mean, they play, they'll go and play Michigan State and Michigan, like you said, Big Ten schools. Uh, but they will try and go to the South and play schools, um, you know, like Georgia uh, and like Texas. You know, so I, 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 I actually kind of respect Notre Dame and the aspect of how they do their scheduling, but I'm with you. They do need to join the damn conference. Now, because of the contract they signed, the only conference they can join until 2036 is ACC. So, if there's just say if they lose to Georgia on the road by a couple touchdowns and they're 11-1, and one, you know, and Georgia's a two-loss team with losses to – just say they lost to Auburn and say they lost to somebody else good, made the SEC championship game, or, or, or just say that well, they've lost one game and they get in the SEC championship game and lose, and that's the second loss against a one-loss Notre Dame team that lost to Georgia. I think Georgia would get in in that, in that situation, um, especially with the head-to-head. The SEC championship game wouldn't be penalized, I don't think, but – yeah, if they go undefeated, they're going to get in. Uh, forgot about the they play both Michigan and Georgia. They don't play any high school teams, at least. Um, on paper, they don't. So we'll see. Real quick, I think the top four look about right. Clemson, Bama, Georgia, Oklahoma. I don't have any problem with that. 
Um, neither do I. I mean, obviously, Clemson, Bama, one and two. Uh, it, it makes perfect sense. And if that isn't our national championship game uh, matchup at the end of the year, I will be stunned. I, I, I mean, I absolutely will be stunned. Uh, Georgia at three fine. Uh, you know, Jake Fromm's going to have to take a step forward this year. Uh, once again, a brand-new receiving core, new tight end. Um, so we'll have to see how he does there. Uh, but obviously I expect him to be good. Oklahoma at four intrigues me. Um, no defense. I'm not sure they're going to win their conference. I don't either. I mean, the hurts, though, the problem is, Jonathan, I mean, I think he's a great quarterback. But to me, my biggest concern, and you tell me what you think, um, you have to be a passing quarterback in, in the Big 12. They air it out a lot. Is, is Hurts capable of being that quarterback that can put up 400 yards a game passing? Um, that seems like that's the style of play in the Big 12. Um, I just don't like – I don't know if I like the fit in Oklahoma of Jalen Hurts. I, I, it's a really good question, and we'll see. I mean, obviously, he does bring the dual threat ability of a Baker or a Tyler in, in his running. I mean, I think he's a better runner than Baker, but not as good as Tyler. Go figure. Um, but none of them are the same style of quarterback. Um, as far as passing, I do think Baker and Tyler are a step above, and I think that was known ahead of time. So I, we'll see how Lincoln Riley schemes for them. Um yeah, you know, I, I think Oklahoma will actually be improved on defense, believe it or not. I think hiring Alex Grinch was a great move. Uh, he is a, a really good defensive coordinator, was really good at Washington State for your, He went to Ohio State for that year and essentially was told not to do anything for some dumb reason. Um, so, you know, I, I mean, I, I expect the defense to be a little bit better, if not great. Let's be honest. It's still, you know, Big 12 defense. Uh, but, I mean, I expect the offense to be just as good. They may run the ball more. Uh, which would make sense when you have Jalen Hurts, who's, who's obviously a good runner. And, then, I mean, they're incredibly deep at running back. Um, you know, but, I mean, Oklahoma at four is fine. It makes sense. It's whatever. Um, but, you know, I just – they, I honestly think that they may not win their conference. Um, and, no, it's not Texas who I'm thinking that will knock them off. Well, if you'd like to call in tonight, 646-716-5564. We've got a lot of people in the studio. Just press number one, and I think I see a familiar caller that just pressed number one here. Let's bring him on, Mr. Jason Humphrey. How's it going, buddy? Hey, guys. How are you guys doing? Good. Doing good. How's married life treating you? Uh, everybody that didn't know, yes. Jason got married, Jonathan. He tied the knot. Yeah. Again. Well, what, what was his name again? Your husband? Um, <laughs> his his name's Naomi. <laughs> I'm joking with you, man. Are you are you pumped up for football like we are? Yes, I am. Logan has a pretty good opponent next week, so yeah. Oh, yeah, pretty good. How you how you feeling about that game? Your Oregon Ducks. I mean, I think if it's if the Pac-12 loses again on a big stage against an SEC team, I think you may as well write them off of the of the playoffs. So Oregon's playing for the Pac-12 Saturday night. So how you feeling yeah, about that's, the game? That, yeah, that's for sure. Um, Oregon needs to win. Um, there's no doubt about it. Regardless if they go 11 and one, 
um, they won't get them to the playoffs. Um, but the thing is, Oregon hasn't been good on the road the past couple of years. So that kind of scares me. So. Well, it's not really a road game, so it's a, it's yeah. a neutral side game. Yeah. How many Auburn fans yeah. compared to Oregon fans do you think will be there in Austin? I think it's going to be 60-40 Auburn, um, if not 70-30. Um, Texas is a lot closer yeah. to Auburn. Than, so. Yeah, that's a long way away. I'm with you. I think about 70-30. What do you think, Jonathan? Uh I, yeah, I definitely see. I mean, I'll split the difference to say 65-35. Uh, I do think, you know, Auburn fans just, from what I've seen, they travel well. Uh, Oregon fans, no no disrespect, Jason, but you guys don't exactly uh, travel uh, that great uh, uh, east of the Rockies. Yeah, that's this the is a rematch of the that's a rematch of the national championship game from 2010, Jason. I know I know that I know you remember that game very well. So, um, who do you like in this game? Who do you think's gonna pull it out as we start? With, we'll start looking into this game. You, you got Herbert, your quarterback here. He's supposed to be a top NFL talent. It's a great offensive line, people are saying. But break it down for me. Look at your offensive line against um, Auburn's defensive line. Give me what you think. Yeah, it's it's gonna be a really good mess up in the trenches for sure. Um but for me not looking in um looking in this game for Oregon Carter Ice, um I I have this game going to Auburn and it's gonna be a thirty four twenty Auburn win. Um hopefully I'm wrong, but um, Oregon hasn't done good in that stadium. The the Owen two lifetime in that stadium, so um and I think it's gonna be Owen three. So Well you got a freshman, Bo Nix quarterbacking for Auburn. I mean, what is your thoughts about you know, the quarterback matchup should go to Oregon in this game? I mean, shouldn't that make a big difference in your score? Well, yeah, that's that's should should make it a big school, but I I think Auburn might get a special team touchdown or or maybe a pick six or a fumble recovery. Um, Bogan's wide receivers is a big question mark for me. Um, the freshman wide receiver Michael Pittman for Oregon put a soldier in the camp, so he won't be available. So it's a lot of question marks for against wide receivers. Well, so, I, I thought he was um, playing. I thought he was playing. No, that was Johnson, Jaron Johnson. Um, he had a cramp during the camp, but he'll be ready for week one. But Pittman's out six to eight weeks. So. Okay, how's, how's your defensive line? How is that going to match up with Auburn's? Offensive line, you think Auburn brings back? They have a lot of red shirt seniors, seniors on that offensive line. Um, they started getting better as the season went on last year. Uh, a lot of injuries on the line last year, but these guys are all back. How's the Oregon defensive line? Well, Oregon's defensive line it starts with the nose tackle, Jaden 
Jay Dunn, Scott, um, he's a really good nose tackle. He'll clog up the middle, um, big expectations on the defensive end side with um, Kevin Thibodeau, the true freshman, um, on the end. But Hogan will play about five start five people on the defense line, so it'll be a good matchup. Is that all you think they'll play? They don't have any depth. Well, the, it's it's mainly like five to eight. Um, they'll they'll rotate guys and so not like coming in. Yeah. And, so. so Jonathan, yeah. what do you think about this game from a neutral? I'm not. You're not a fan of either team, but look at Bo Nix coming in, won the starting job. I heard he's a. Uh, a real good talent. We've seen freshmen succeed, you know, over the last few years. Um, give me your give me your thoughts on this game. I mean, I think it's going to be an interesting battle. Um, Oregon's offensive line is obviously very good, led by Penny Sewell, the left tackle, who you know, if he hadn't gotten injured last year, would have been all American. Uh, and obviously, Auburn has a really good defensive line, uh, led by who is it? Derek Brown? Is that his name? Yeah, Derek Brown. Uh, you know, who people project is, is a is a first-round pick. And uh, Marlon Davidson's obviously a very good ball player as well. So it's going to be very interesting to see that battle in the trenches. You know, usually when you see SEC and Pac-12 uh, teams line up, it's all about how the SEC team just out, you know, manned the lines. But I think you're not going to just out-physical this Oregon offensive line. And Justin Herbert's obviously a, uh, a fantastic quarterback. Uh, you know, Juwan Johnson, um any Penn State fan will tell you that good luck with that. Uh, he does have an issue with drops, um, you know, and, and, you know, whatever he did in camp, fine and whatnot. But the reason he's not at Penn State anymore is because he couldn't consistently catch the ball. Uh, whereas, you know, Auburn obviously going with the true freshman of Bo Nix and as talented as he is as a, as a prospect, we're still not sure what we're going to see out of him. Uh, you know, I mean, I expect Auburn to look better uh, than they did last year against Washington because that game was ugly. Uh, you saw the Washington you know, Jake game. Brown, I, yeah, I mean, look, yeah, he, here's the deal with that Washington game. If Jake Browning is confident in that game, Washington probably wins that game. Um, you know, I, I that 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 was the main difference in that ball game last year was Washington could physically hang with Auburn, but they really didn't have a quarterback who uh, could could make the right plays, and we saw that time and time again with Jake Browning last year. For Oregon, I think they have that quarterback in Justin Herbert. It's just can Oregon's defense hold up against the speed and physicality uh, of what I expect the Auburn offense to showcase. I think Auburn's going to run the ball a lot better this year. Uh, they have a lot of speed at wide receiver uh, led by uh, Schwartz. Um, you know, So I, I expect this to be actually a really good game and a really fun game, and it sucks that I'm going to miss it and going to have to watch it on Sunday uh, to, to catch up and really get a full, a full view of what I'm going to see. Uh, but I do expect – uh, Auburn to pull out a victory. I think it's going to be a really good game, a really tight game, and, and I could see this being a uh, something like a 23-17 uh, type of ball game. I don't know if Auburn's going to score as many points as Jason said, uh, just because Auburn is a true freshman at quarterback, and there will be kinks to work out there and whatnot. But, I, you know, who knows if this Gus Malzahn offense is a true Gus Malzahn offense, they could drop 40 and and, I, and we wouldn't blink an eye because, yeah. as Jason said, Oregon has had 
some struggles at Jerry World. I think everybody remembers the LSU game that uh, really put Honey Badger on the map when he had a huge performance in an LSU, uh, a big victory. Yeah. And I think you're going to see a lot more in sync Auburn offense than you usually do in week one. And that last year game was, you know, Auburn drove down the field, scored a touchdown early, and then after that it was just kind of boring. It was sloppy, penalties, turnovers. Uh, The defense is really – kind of dominated that game. Um, but this year, I think this this Auburn offense has a chance to get out with a speed, like like Jonathan said, at receiver. We've got uh, some big-time receivers, too, not only you know fast, but they're big. Um, special teams, one of the best punters in the country. But it's, I'm interested to see the matchup with the Auburn offense or the Auburn defensive line versus the Oregon offensive line. Uh, special teams very important. Oregon's got some skilled people too that can uh, really beat you. You hit a home run real quick on you and score. It's going to be interesting, Jason, to see the pressure Auburn brings. And Auburn plays about ten defensive linemen. They rotate them in. They keep them fresh. And it's all depending. I think the biggest factor is the the linebacking core for Auburn. To me, still a little question mark, but if the defensive line does its job, those linebackers could have a big day. And um, how does your boy there stand up against pressure last year in Pac-12 play or any other game? How did he hold up when, when blitzes happened? He's a, he's a good um, pocket present. He'll, he'll feel the pressure and try to move him around and make a play down at the field. Um, he'll Sometimes stuck it on the line if he needs to, but anyway, he'll stay in the pocket. So. Well, I'm excited, man. I'm excited to see it. It is the it is college game day will be there. That is the biggest game um, of the college season so far. We'll see um, after week one, but let's um, let's slide over a little bit, Jason, since you're a big Dallas Cowboy fan and. What's going on with Prescott and Elliott? I know Elliott's held out right now. He's holding out for some more money. Do you think he's going to get it? I, I think I think eventually Jay Jones is going to cave in because let's be honest, this offense runs around at Zeke Elliott um, as much as I want to talk up Dak Prescott. Um, I was thinking the other day that Prescott's just another version of Marcus Mayota. He just doesn't get hit like Mayota does. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Jonathan, who do you pay on this team? I mean, I, I'm not a big Prescott guy, really, in the NFL. I, I thought he would do good. You know, he'd be a pretty good quarterback, but um, he's wanting a ton. He's wanting over $30 million a year for to play quarterback. And you got to think, he's loaded offensive line, defense. He's got receivers now. I mean, who would you let go if you were Dallas? Um, yeah, I, I, you know, I mean, the issue with Dak is that uh, obviously a report is that the Cowboys offered him 30 a year, and he laughed and said, I want 40, and everybody went, Are you high? Uh, and my response to that is, I <laughs> think he's, I think he's high. Um, you know, Dak Prescott's not a $40 million a year quarterback, but he understands the market and where it's at. And if the Cowboys don't 
uh, sign, you know, re-up Prescott, where do they go from there? You know, that's, that's kind of the issue is all of a sudden Dallas is mortgaging their future so they can move into the top five so they can take Justin Herbert uh, or Tua Tunga Bailoa or, you know, whoever comes out this year, maybe Jake Fromm, whatever. Uh, so, you know, there, there, there's that issue um, right there. And if you're personally, if I'm running the Cowboys, I let Ezekiel Elliott uh, walk. I mean, if I'm not mistaken, he's up for one more year after this anyway. So we're going to see him play. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's not like he's you know going to hold out and just sit out for two years and pull a levy on Bell. Yeah. Um, so the way I look at it is, if I'm the Cowboys, I, I get Cooper re-up. I look at Prescott and say, dude, here's the market. If you want to hit free agency and try and get that kind of money elsewhere, good luck. Um, but here's the market. Here's what we're offering you. This is where it stands. Unless you be, take the next step this year, um, that you know we're we're not going to move off of off of this offer. And you know, like I said with Zeke, I would just tell Zeke, look, dude, just pass your contract. At, you know. I get it. You want long-term security. You want this. You want that. And at the end of the day, Ezekiel Elliott's not looking for $20, $30 million a year. That's the big difference, right? Ezekiel Elliott's looking for like $13 million a year. And so if you want to re-up Zeke, yeah. you want to re-up Cooper and, and let Prescott walk and try and figure that out later, you can. I mean, Jameis, uh, Jameis won't hit the market, but, you know, if he did – um, you know, that could be an option to, to come fill in at a lower number, or like I said, you can mortgage the future and gamble on a rookie, or maybe, you know, you, you peek somewhere else and try and patch it together like other teams have with someone like a Case Keenum or Joe Flacco or whatever. Like, there's options uh, for, the, for them to figure it out, but I think Dak Prescott is the hardest pill for me to swallow right now, because that's an awfully large amount for a quarterback that has been, I, I, I would say, you know, above average, but he's not, he's not top 10. And that's that's the issue. Yeah. Is he's looking for top ten, top five money, and he's not a top ten, top five quarterback. He may be he may be fifteen, being generous. I mean, that's being generous. I don't think he's that. But if this works, and I, I mean, if this starts working, these guys like the two years out of his rookie deal, really getting trying to get this money and holding out. How many other people? are going to start pulling this. I mean, it's it's like they're trying to hold them hostage. They wait to the last minute, really, and, you know, free agency's over or whatnot, or the draft happens, you're supposed to report to training camp, and now you're you're holding out. If I'm Jerry Jones, I do not. I let Zeke go. I just, seriously, uh, I think they'll be okay behind that offensive line with whoever they put back there. Um, I would not give Prescott – Thirty million dollars a year. I may give him seventeen or twenty. Would be the max I would go. I would not give him thirty million dollars. There's no way. And if you're right, like like Jonathan, you want to win now. But what if you're Dallas and you you finish at that bottom and you all of a sudden got a stud quarterback coming out to get to go with that great offensive line and that defense you have? And uh, see, Amari Cooper is going to have to be paid too. But he's a different breed, you know. He, he, you don't hear him talking, trying to hold out and get more money. I mean, he he could easily be in that boat. But he's a businessman. He just he cares about playing the game and proving himself. And the team will the team will give you whatever whatever you deserve. But these divas in Dallas right now, I think this is going to be a distraction. I I thought Dallas was going to have a decent season until this. So I'm going to move my pick back up to Philadelphia to win this division. And Dallas is going to 
be out of the playoffs. What do you think? What do you think, Jason? Yeah, that's that's like exactly right with all this contract um, distractions and whatnot. It, it could really cost them the division. Um, even before this contract, I had the Eagles winning the, the division, but um, the the Cowboys they they gotta get it together. Yeah, so I mean, the, the East is gonna be pretty tough. I mean, the Giants. So we we sit here and look at the Giants and in that division and the Redskins. I think it's a two team race in that division. I don't think the Giants are gonna threaten anybody. But but let's go now to the what is it the AFC South, Jonathan, where Andrew Luck retires. Um, Houston's got an injury. Miller, I think, went out for the year with an ACL. Who's going to win that division? Is it going to be the Titans? Do you think the Texans are good enough with Watson to get it done? Um, I mean, I, I honestly, I, I do believe that Houston's good enough uh, to to weather a Lamar Miller injury. I mean, if you talk to certain people around uh, Texans. Uh, fan base, they were kind of ready to move on from him anyways. And the great thing about running backs is you can always kind of find one that's at least good enough. And, and Houston has a very good backup running back in Duke Johnson, uh, who they, they, they traded for, obviously, a couple weeks ago. So that's, that's the upside, is that they already have a good backup. Uh, Duke, I don't know if it's going to carry a full load, but he's definitely a weapon they can utilize. And Deshaun Watson's the best quarterback um, in, in, that, in that division. Uh, you know, it's the second-best defense in all honesty. I think they have a better defense than Indianapolis and Tennessee. I don't know about Jacksonville, even though Jacksonville did lose Telvin Smith, so that could be uh, – I mean, that, that's, a, that's a big loss for their defense. But, you know, Josh Allen, I mean, it's a pretty good replacement at the end of the day. Um, so I think Houston can win this division. I don't know if they're going to go far. I don't know if they're a Super Bowl contender. But, I mean, we all know Deshaun Watson's really good, and we all know DeAndre Hopkins is really good. Uh, has Houston figured out a left tackle? I don't know. We'll find out. They used a lot of draft capital and offensive linemen. Um, and, and, you know, we'll, we'll see where, the, where that plays out. But at the end of the day, I mean, that division, um, it, it's, it's, it was kind of a, a cluster going into it. And now that Andrew Luck retires, you look at it and you're like, ooh, I mean, it's a Houston by default. Because I don't know if Tennessee's good enough. And I'm not a huge Mariota fan. Um, obviously, I, you know, he's a hard time with injuries, and it's not like he's been fantastic uh, either. I would say he's an average quarterback. Um, and who, who knows what we're going to get out of Nick Foles in Jacksonville, uh, considering that anytime he leads Philadelphia, he seems to be average below average. Uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's, that division's a mess. See, I think, I think Houston's going to suck this year. I do. I, I'm sorry. Um, wow. Miami, they'll suck this year. Arizona, Cincy, we know they're going to suck. The Redskins suck. The Giants suck. The Raiders suck. I don't care who they got. And Bryant with his with his frostbite on his toes. And the Tennessee Titans, I, I don't know. I think they're going to be okay. But, I mean, here's the deal. We, we know the teams that can win it. I'm reading an article on CBS, and I, I totally agree with them. The teams, the eight teams that could win it all this year, the Patriots, of course, the Saints, the Eagles, the Chiefs, the Chargers, the Panthers, the Steelers, and the Seahawks. Name me a team outside of those eight that you think could win a Super Bowl. I mean, 
usually I can find holes in stories and stuff, but I think this article is spot on. It was written by, I can't even remember the guy's name, but uh, Jason LaCanfora. I can't, I think that's how you Jason LaCanfora. Yeah. Um, Carolina, though, with six. Uh, with Cam, if he's if he's in the boot right now and he doesn't play, that means Will Greer is going to have to step up. I think as a rookie and see what he can do. But I don't know. Carolina's pretty stacked across the board. The question is Cam Newton. Yeah, I mean, here's my thing. As far as the AFC goes, it's New England and kind of everybody else. I mean, obviously Kansas City, uh, San Diego, not San Diego. Uh, the Chargers. Uh, no, uh, yeah, I know, I do that all the time. I'm calling them San Diego for forever. So, you know, I mean, obviously New England uh, is your clear front runner. Then you have Kansas City, San Diego, um, you know, Pittsburgh. Uh, I think your other three contenders have tried to knock them off. Of course, these are all three teams that have tried to knock them off in the past and have struggled to do so, with Pittsburgh being the only one of those three to have won a Super Bowl since Brady's ended the league or even played for a Super Bowl. Uh, out of that group of three. Because uh, I don't think Cleveland, as much as I like Cleveland uh, uh, to take a step forward this year and, and contend for a playoff spot, I don't think Cleveland is, is at the same caliber level. Uh, I don't think the Ravens are as much as, I, again, I think they're a playoff team. Uh, I already wrote off the rest of the South and the rest of the entire South and the East outside of New England is useless. So as far as the NFC goes, though, I mean, it's really it's Philly who – if they just catch lightning in a bottle one year, and you know, I mean, you have to wonder with them if they can really push and contend because Carson Wentz has had a hard time staying on the field. That's an issue. Um, as far as the NFC North goes, I don't think there's a single team in that division. Well, let me rephrase that. The Lions can't. If the Vikings get really good quarterback play from Kirk Cousins, which we have seen before, and if Dalvin Cook stays healthy, the Vikings could be a team that contends because I do like their defense, and that offense could be explosive. Uh, the Packers, I'm not buying in. I love you know Aaron Rodgers as, as a player, but the rest of that team just kind of makes you scratch your head and go, how did they let this happen? Uh, and the Bears don't have a quarterback. Um, so unless they have the 2006 defense in their back pocket, they're not making the Super Bowl again. Uh, you look at the West, and like you said, the Cardinals are going to be at the bottom of the barrel again. They could be kind of fun to watch, but I don't think they're a playoff team. Uh, the 49ers, uh, it, it, again, wait and see. Everybody was really high on them going into the season last year without seeing proof of concept. Jimmy Garoppolo gets hurt, gets hurt again. Here we are again. The Rams obviously made the Super Bowl last year. I think they're just as good as last year. They could contend for a Super Bowl berth. And Seattle could. Uh, I'm still a little bit tentative about them. And, like, you know, in, in the South, I mean, look, the Bucks are going to be bad. The Bucks are going to be really bad. Like, top five pick bad. Um. The secondary is not good. The linebackers are great. The secondary is bad. The defensive end spot is mediocre. The interior of the defensive line is not very good. I mean, Vita Vey, our first-round pick, can't stay in the field. The Dominican Sue at this point, I don't know what you're going to get from him other than personal fouls, which he's racked up a couple of uh, in the preseason. The offensive line, the interior of the offensive line is good. Zamar Dotson, if he's healthy, is a good right tackle. Donovan Smith is a horrible left tackle who just got paid top-tier left tackle money. Good job. Give, the, give, give that GM another extension. Um, tight end depth is insanely good. O.J. Howard has been good as much as I still don't agree with that draft pick. Receivers are good. 
Running back's still a question mark. Peyton Barber's obviously a good, dependable, in-between-the-tackles guy. He's not a game-changer. He's not a flasher. Ronald Jones has got to pull up his skis. And Jameis Winston, I mean, this is it, dude. It's really not because Bruce said he only took the Bucks' job because he wanted to coach Jameis, so he's going to get an extension. Um, but, I, you know, we, Jameis has got to try and put it all together. I'm perfectly content if Jameis has Brett Favre type years where he has 30 touchdowns and 20 interceptions. I don't care. That's better than what we've had in Tampa for forever. Um, but they're going to be a bad team because his defense is going to suck again. I don't care how good of a coach Todd Bowles is. Uh, Carolina, like you said, is, is pretty good at every position. They just need help from Cam. Uh, I think they're a team that could push Atlanta, whose defense got decimated by injuries last year. I think as long as they can retain some health, they obviously spent a lot of draft capital on the offensive line. Devonta Freeman's healthy. Uh, you know, this could be a very good team again. New Orleans looks top level. So as far as the NFC goes, I mean, it's Philly, who I'm eh, Seattle, who I'm eh, Atlanta, who I'm eh, Carolina, who I'm eh, New Orleans. Uh, Minnesota, who I'm eh, and St. Louis, who, uh, or Los Angeles Rams, um, who, I mean, obviously they were there last year. Uh, so it's, it's, it's very interesting in the NFL. It's still a small group of teams that I honestly can't, can't contend for a title. And for the most part, you look at it and go, who's New England going to lose to, or who's New England going to beat in the Super Bowl? I like the Saints and the Chiefs. That's, that's really who I like. The Saints should have been there last year. They got robbed. Um, the Chiefs, D Ford, Auburn guy can't he couldn't he couldn't stay on sides in college. Why do you think he's gonna be able to do it in the NFL? But um what a dumbass. Um cost him his job, they cut him. Um, but the Chiefs, I mean, they're pretty loaded, man. I mean, that's gonna be a hard team to stop if they stay healthy. Uh the Patriots, all the the Patriots are going to be better this year than they were last year. It's just can Brady stay? I mean, I don't know what he does or how he stays it, but he's he's my age and he's he's getting in better shape every year. Uh, the Patriots got young all of a sudden. They're they're younger. They I love the running back um, Sonny Michelle. I just think they're going to be able to carve up the AFC. Uh, but the Chiefs are the one team I think that can beat them are the Steelers. Look for Ben to have a big year this year. Everybody's been talking bad about the Steelers, you know, when they let Brown go and everything. So we'll see. I think Ben's going to come out and prove a point. But the Raiders on hard knocks, they've been a team in the media a lot. But this Baker Mayfield character in Cleveland, I mean, this is this could be bad. I mean, it could be good. They could be a playoff team or it could be real bad. What happens, Jonathan, this team starts out one and two? Uh, too many egos, too many people want the ball for this Cleveland team. What's going to happen is Baker Mayfield will get enough leader to to bring them back if they get down in a 1-2, 1-3 hole or something. Uh, yeah, I mean, I have high expectations and high hopes for Baker Mayfield. I think Baker Mayfield is an excellent quarterback. Um, you know, I, I I personally love his personality. Um, you know, it's funny, if he played linebacker, everybody would love him. Um, you know, Chuggy but I, beers I like at, a, at an Indians baseball game, you know. That is I mean, funny. look, yeah, well, I mean, Aaron Rodgers did it at a Milwaukee, well, tried to do it at a Milwaukee Bucks playoff game. The entire offensive line did it at the playoff game. The Titans were their offensive linemen do it. I mean, look, that, I mean, that's that's apparently the new funny fad thing to do, whatever, good for you. Um, 
you know, I mean, obviously the bigger question for the Browns is how do you uh, simulate Odell Beckham to this offense? And my answer for that is quite well because they really need him. Um, that was one of their biggest issues is they didn't have a secondary receiver outside of Jarvis Landry. So now you have Odell and Landry back together. You have David Njoku at tight end. You have uh, Nick Chubb at running back. Uh, and you're going to get Kareem Hunt later in the year, which, I mean, whatever. Um, you know, with, with Baker, and I mean, their bigger issue is they still don't have a left tackle. Uh, they they did not fix that situation at all, but the defense is going to be better. I'm, you know, I, I don't think, you know, if the Browns start one and two, I don't think there's going to be panic. Um, you know, I do think the media has jumped high on them a lot. For me, the Browns are more of a nine and you know an eight and eight to ten and six team, not an eleven and five, twelve and four team. Let's let's back that bus up a bit. Um, you know, it, it, this is a team that not too long ago went what one and thirty two over a two year stretch. Uh, yeah. Last year, one and seven games. I think nine and sevens uh, and getting into the playoffs is is realistic. I mean, let's yeah. let's be real and. I think we have a Bears fan calling in here. Uh, I think it may be Cuervo. I could be wrong. Is this Cuervo? I think you're right, Brian. What's going on, buddy? How you doing? <laughs> all good. See, I still remember your number out of all these numbers that I'm seeing. I'm seeing about 11 numbers right now, and I, I remember yours. So, doing well. Doing well. Jonathan was just talking crap about your Bears. Um, anything you want to say? in defense of your Chicago Bears? Uh, I mean, Tampa ain't looking no, too he hot, wasn't, so by the way. I'll just leave it at that. I know, I know. How's no, everyone? How, how you doing, wasn't. Jonathan? I'm alive. How you doing? Hey, it's all that matters. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you want to trade quarterbacks? Uh, you know, I think I'm okay right now. I appreciate the offer, though. All right. Well, you know, I fi- I figured I'd ask since you know, you guys already screwed up once and skipping out on Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes for, you know, the right. white kid from Ohio. So now, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know if you heard my comment earlier, but I said unless your defense has some 2006 in it, what are you guys gonna do this year? Oh, that's a great question. I mean, it's I don't know. I mean. I think the defense will be just fine. It's that offense mm-hmm. is what's got me worried. The offensive line doesn't look very good so far, but um, you know, I I think I think that as long as they can maintain offensively, I think they'll be fine. And you cut you cut the best kicker in football, man. <laughs> yeah, best kicker in football. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. He, he just he just the cost a- you a playoff game. Is that is that good enough to cut someone? Uh, in Chicago, it is. I'll tell you that. And Tampa would have given him a. Haven't sentence. you already haven't you already cut another kicker in the preseason or or was it? Sorry, but I misread. I that. think they I think they let one guy go, but this Pinero kid, he he uh, he booted a nice one yesterday uh, in Indianapolis. I don't think anyone was paying attention though, because everybody was uh, in mourning mm. over there about the news that came down during the game. By the way, I thought that was yeah. so crazy. What Andrew Luck? Yeah. yeah. 
He, he's going to play again. Don't worry, guys. He's coming back. He's going to get healthy where he's not having all this pressure and all these expectations, and he's going to come and sign with someone. He's only, what, 29 years old, I think. Or yeah. Uh, yep. He's 30 in a couple of weeks. Yeah, he's 30. I don't know. Maybe he'll come back. But, I mean, the guy's not that rich. If you think about it, I mean, he had big contracts. Hundred million dollars in the but bank. Is, a is that what he's made? Yeah. Uh, and the Colts aren't taking back. Bank. And the Colts aren't taking back their bonus. The Colts, the Colts decided that they weren't going to uh, to ask for his bonus back. So all he did was give up uh, the fifty-eight million over the next couple of years. I would come out there with with one leg for $58 million a year. <laughs> I, 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 you know, that's, it's always my big problem when we talk about things like this. Is I'm like, you have to put these numbers in some sort of a vacuum because these aren't real numbers at the end of the day for uh, for you and me, right? Yeah, I'm serious. You could, I could have as much pain as you wanted. I'll go out there and take an ass-kicking every game for that kind of money. <laughs> oh, Brian, you just left the game with your shoulder injury. Well, shit, I just made $10 million today. I feel good. I feel <laughs> real good. Just throw me a couple of Percocet down and let's rock and roll, you know? <laughs> I mean, that's, that's how Brett Farr played those many years. He'd, he'd eat a bottle of painkillers in between in between snaps, and he, he was good. So, mm-hmm. uh, is Andrew Luck – here, let me ask a question around the thing. Is Andrew Luck a pussy cuervo? Uh, is he soft? No, is he I, soft? I, I, mean, I mean, maybe a little bit, but I, I just think, I think the way he went about this whole thing, like that, that was the question that we asked earlier on our show uh, with Sonny and I. It's you know, I mean, it's not like he woke up yesterday and said, yeah, you know what? Yeah, I think I'm going to retire tonight during the game. I don't think it went down that way. So my thing is like, how long have the Colts known about it or how long ago did Andrew Luck tell them that he was going to do this? Uh, if, if it was one of those things where he held it in for a long time and then last minute just dropped it on them, I think, I think that was a real uh, a coward move on his part. That's why he got booed, but wasn't I, it? That's why he got booed, wasn't it? Um. No, I think it's because a lot of people drafted him in their in their fantasy leagues. That's probably why he got booed too. Uh, which I, I was going to do it. That's the guy that I wanted this year for my quarterback, but that's not going to happen anymore. See, this is why I wait until the last minute to do my drafts. Mm-hmm. Because you got guys, you guys that retire at the last second. So every year. Um, <laughs> yeah, but uh, no, I mean honestly, I, I I I just it's it's one of those questions that we had on the show earlier. It's just. You know how long has has he been contemplating this, and and who did, who has he told? Like you know what I mean? Like I think he at least owes the Colts that much, so that way they can go and try and find somebody else instead of having a, you know, have no choice but to use Jacoby Brissett as their quarterback. He's that, that's going to be uh, rough. I mean, to he's watch. terrible. When is Colin Kaepernick coming back? Never. Yeah, he's never coming back. I mean, Brissett, is there anyone out there that they could pick up right now? I mean, let's think about college football players that were just 
didn't get drafted or got snubbed. Um, is there anyone out there that could come and be better than he is? Could they trade for someone? Could they get Jarrett Stidham out of New England to come and, and lead him? I think he'd be a good fit there. He's used to having a shitty offensive line and running for his life, so he'd probably fit in good for Indy. Well, I mean, what, what are they going to do, guys? You... earlier. Ah. That's, that's, ah. well, that was my reaction, too. That was my reaction, too. I was like, eh, I don't know about that. You already no have one's tried to trade him. <laughs> exactly. Like, they couldn't like, trade him. Yeah. And who's out there? I mean, seriously, who could they get? Name me. I mean, the, the backup quarterback position is getting worse and worse and worse. I don't know what's going on. I guess in the college game, they're not being developed good enough, but I don't know. What is going on where they can't even find a, a guy, Brissett? I mean, this guy could be decent, but we've seen him play over the last couple of years, and he hasn't really knocked my socks off. How many games has he won with the Colts as a starting four? quarterback? I mean, he went 4-12 and 12 the one year. But, yeah, I mean, that was I mean, a historically bad Colts team. I mean, that was an incredible – I mean, this Colts team is much improved than the one that he pulled back a couple of years ago that went four and twelve. Look, I think Jacoby could take the Colts to eight and eight. I, I mean, I don't think he's good. Um, I think he could be a league average quarterback at the end of the day. I mean, look, they could trade for Eli Manning. Ooh, there's a thought. Um, is that going to happen? Probably not, because the Giants are stupid, which is fine. Um, and Eli probably wouldn't want to play for Indianapolis because his brother played there. I don't know. That means that that that's just a weird dude. Um. The Redskins don't have anybody because Alex Smith hurt. Colt McCoy's hurt. Uh, the Cowboys don't have any. Uh... Boy. I mean, who are you going to trade for that's a definite upgrade? I don't think there's anybody you can trade for that's a definite upgrade because most of those teams are going to hold on to that quarterback. You know what I mean? It's not always that the quarter- the backup quarterback's not good. It's just maybe we don't see them. Um because they're behind an Aaron Rodgers or a Tom Brady or, or whatever, and that and those teams don't want to give them up at you know because if they got to break the glass, they want to break the glass with somebody that they know they're comfortable with, right? You know, Ryan Fitzpatrick's terrible. That I mean, that's that's that that's a very easy equation. He's a good backup quarterback. He's not a starting quarterback. I mean, could they go get like a Tyrod Taylor and, and hope that he's just average again? Sure. I, I just I don't know. I, you know, I don't think there's options on the trade market unless you want to go ahead and spend a deal for Eli Manning. But in all reality, you're better off just parking the bus and waiting to take Trevor Lawrence number one overall uh, in 2021. That was what I was saying. Just stick with Brissett and see what you can get later on. Or what's that kid from Oregon? You think he's going to be any good? What's his name? Herbert? Yeah, I mean, I like yeah, Justin Herbert. But I think if – I honestly believe that if you're the Colts, you want to hold out for Lawrence in 2021. I think if you're some of these other teams, you want to take Herbert or you want to take Tua, I think Trevor Lawrence oh, could God. be an Andrew Locke or a Peyton Manning. You talk about I would not buy into Tua. I wouldn't buy into Tua for one second. 
I'm I'm sorry. I'm not buying that guy. Uh, I I am I am here for the two of hate. What is going on? And what did I miss? <laughs> he's soft. Yeah, he's soft. I, I mean, said he's, he's like Charmin. He fractured. What? He fractured his ankle last year in the SEC championship game. He gets tackled and he can't play anymore. Uh, okay. I mean, you know, my <laughs> issue with Tua is um, I don't know if he understands what a checkdown is. Um, that's my problem with Tua is it's like, dude, at some point you can't keep throwing the ball 50 yards down the field. Like that play's not going to be there every time. You're not playing uh, uh, Ole Miss, okay? You're not playing Sanford. You know, you're not playing Northwestern, who cares, State. Like, dude, you're, you're playing Clemson. Stop throwing the ball 50 yards down the field. Hit your check downs. They're not covering them for a reason. Um, you know, I mean, that, those are my issues. His stock took a huge hit, though. His stock took oh, God, a yeah. huge hit after that game. Yeah, because they finally played a defense. Like, like the Georgia game, you can excuse Wade because he was hurt. He came into the game hurt and then made the injury worse. That Clemson game, he just looked bad. There's no, there's no explaining that away. And obviously that's a guy that a lot of people love because he has arm talent because he's the right size. He plays at Alabama. He can figure it out. But, there's, you know, if you want to nitpick him, you can nitpick him. Just like with Justin Herbert. Look, Justin Herbert's got a rocket arm. He's got decent mobility. You know, he's the right size, and, and he holds himself well in the pocket and whatnot. But Justin Herbert had moments last year where it's like, I'm throwing to the slot every play. I'm only throwing it to Dylan Mitchell. You can triple cover him, and I'm throwing it to Dylan Mitchell. Granted, because the other receivers at Oregon couldn't catch a ball, as Jason would tell you. But, as, you know, he had an issue where it was, I'm going to throw here, 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 which is the same thing we heard about Tim Tebow and other quarterbacks in the past, where I was like, dude, you have multiple receivers. Use them. You need to make multiple reads. And so we'll see what happens with Tua, how he progresses this year, what Sarkeesian does with him. Uh, but, you know, it's the same thing with Justin Herbert. We'll see what happens. The Auburn game will be a great test for their NFL stock. Uh, those are your clear-cut top two guys in the draft that I can think of off the top of my head. Um, and then you have Jake Fromm, who I've never been crazy about. Jacob Eason can maybe come out this year. I, I mean, it, it's, you know, I, I don't think the quarterback position is bad. I don't think that, that the, it's dire straits. You know, I think there's a lot of talent, and obviously in the NFL, there's multiple teams that have quarterbacks that are at least average or above average. It's just that when you compare them against Tom Brady or Patrick Mahomes or Deshaun Watson, there is an issue, um, you know, especially considering guys like Jameis Winston uh, and Marcus Mariota haven't really panned out. Uh, Jared Goff looked really iffy in the second half of last season, which mirrored his first year. Um, Mitchell Trubisky was iffy last year. Granted, you know, it's a young quarterback. Let's see how it looks. Um, you know, so, you know, it's, it's trying to figure, separate these quarterbacks. Josh Allen did not look that good, um, you know, and, and everybody's already making fun of the Giants for Daniel Jones. So it's, are these teams just not drafting right? Because obviously Dak Prescott and Russell Wilson worked out. They were third-round picks. Tom Brady was a sixth. You so, know, Nick Foles was so a third or a fourth. Hey, Jonathan, let's get Cuervo's opinion. I forgot to ask him about this Prescott and uh, Zeke issue going on, holding out for more money. I mean, what do you think about Prescott thinking, mm-hmm. you know, they offered him $30 million, he said he wanted 40 I mean, I don't know if that's true, but, I mean, Prescott's probably the bottom third probably, or I'd say bottom 25%. I don't know, maybe 
17th in the league odd ranking. Is that worth $30 million in your mind? And what if Dallas told him to hit the road? Who's the backup quarterback at Dallas now? I can't remember. Would would you tell him to hit the road? Cuervo. 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 Hold on, Cuervo. Cuervo, I think you disconnected, but I'm sure you heard my question. I did. I definitely heard your question. Um, yeah, look, I don't know if the rumor is true or not. Uh, Sonny has not confirmed or denied that because he does live in the Dallas area, and I don't. I don't never remember him saying whether the rumors were true or not, but yeah. that was funny because that's when I heard Look, it was when I was in Dallas. Yeah, so I mean, and Cuervo, Cuervo, have you tried this new Popeyes chicken sandwich yet? That's another oh question. Oh my god! <laughs> you know, I have I have made attempts, Brian. Let me tell you, because I literally have one right across the street from where I live, and every time I go over there, that drive-through is so packed. <laughs> It's, it's 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 a phenomenon all over the country. I have not tried it yet. I, you know, matter of fact, I told after, you guys, uh, after you remember, the show, I might go. Do you, do you remember? Yes. Do yes. you remember last year when I mentioned this? Yes. We go back to my yes. recordings. I said, guys, Popeyes is coming out. I couldn't give too much information because it is kind of private information, and we are a publicly traded company, so I have to be careful. But hey, there's a sandwich coming out. It's the best sandwich I've ever had, okay? And all of a sudden, without media, remember, we we haven't even gone on media yet. We're selling over 500 sandwiches per store per day. Some stores are selling 2,000. Twitter has taken this and uh, social media by storm, guys. And mm-hmm. it is the best sandwich in the world, but, you know, you, you got so much supply in the world, too. So everybody in the world was wanting that chicken sandwich. So, Jason, Humphrey, have you had the Popeye's chicken sandwich in Eugene, Oregon? There's no Popeye's around me. Too heavy. What? So, no. <laughs> yeah. How far away is the Popeye's from you, Jason? Um, It's about two hours away in Salem. Well, shit, uh, that's well, an easy drive. Get you, get you three sandwiches. <laughs> and you listen to you listen to weigh in sports talk on your way there to get you there, and then you eat three sandwiches on the way back. You'll feel good. Brian, yeah. I had an extension opportunity. <laughs> yeah, I'm sounds like a plan. Popeyes, you know, but it's it's good sandwich. I was just joking with Cuervo, but everybody, have you guys noticed that on Twitter that every time you yeah. on Twitter somebody's talking about the chicken sandwich? Oh, the memes are flying through. <laughs> The memes are flying through, let me tell you. I'm in Florida. What do you think? Yeah, Miami. uh, I don't know if you guys – God, who is it that went – the professional football player went to – who was it? Went to Popeye's, and they were out of chicken. And, uh, God, who was it? And uh, they delivered to his house about 40 chicken sandwiches, 20 spicy, 20 mild. And then Dwayne Wade, they made a special delivery to him, so he got about 40 sandwiches. But you can go on eBay right now and get a sandwich for over 100 bucks to 300 bucks. If you want a Popeye sandwich, I'm not lying. Go to eBay right now. 
you can buy a Popeye's chicken sandwich <laughs> that costs $3.99 in a store near you for uh, the highest I've seen was $1,000. Second highest was 700 And there was one guy, no lie, he went into the store and bought like 30 sandwiches. And he came out to the lines and he was selling them for like 50 bucks a pop. And people were paying for it. So, so you get That's entrepreneurs in this. But really, what do you think about Dak Prescott, really? I mean, what's hotter right now? The chicken sandwich from Popeye's or Dak Prescott? Oh, hands down the chicken sandwich. <laughs> uh, there's no question about that. He's killing himself, guys. If you look at what he's doing to Dallas, um, Jerry Jones is a smart owner. He does some dumb stuff sometimes, but he's a businessman. He's not going to overpay Dak Prescott, I don't think. Um, No. What does this say in the future, Jonathan or Cuervo? We'll start with you, Cuervo. If you're a team out there looking, and this guy's sitting there kind of holding you hostage in a way, I mean, do you really want a quarterback like that to bring him in? But at least he's still playing. That's why. That's what I'm confused about. Why is Why is Prescott still playing in the preseason? Zeke's not showing up at all. So, so if if he keeps playing and Dallas just ignores him, where where do we go here? Things that make you go, hmm, right? Yeah, I just don't understand that. Uh, that, and that's why I think it was it was a, a rumor or a, I don't know I don't want to say a hoax but it was just something that for people to talk about like oh yeah he asked for forty mil um, I I don't think that's true um, I don't see Dak doing something like that but Zeke on the other hand I would expect it from Zeke just because of his character um, and I hate to, and I hate to judge him that way but look what is what has he proven as far as his character in he's the time in, that he's been he's in his Dallas Cowboys uniform. Yeah, he's had too many negative things, right, Jonathan? Like Cuervo said, I mean, you're going to demand money. You suspended for four games um, last year or whatever, and then you're just in the media. Didn't he beat, it, beat somebody up or hit a woman or something? I mean, mm-hmm. uh, if you're going to if you're going to be that kind of running back that demands money, you better be clean. You better not be causing issues for your team. And uh, mm. I don't know, man. I, I just I think he's a good running back. I think he's a great running back, actually. But when, when we saw Gurley go down last year, the guy that was washing cars the week before came in and was getting 200 on the ground. So how yeah. valuable are running backs in the NFL right now? I mean, it's a quarterback league, it's a quarterback and receiver league right now. Uh, well, to be completely honest with you, uh, running backs aren't that valuable. Um, I mean, well, all right, let me let me put it this way: they're valuable, but there's a certain limit to the value, right? It's kind of like kickers. Um, not to like stick a knife in the the Cuervo, which, considering my luck with kickers in an NFL level, trust me, um, I'm with you. It's just ours haven't been something that's important. Um, but uh, um. <laughs> But, but like, they're, 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 they're valuable. I mean, one of the most important players in NFL teams is a kicker. What do they get paid? All right, they're the lowest paid. Well, them and punters are two of the lowest paid on a team, right? You know, it's the well, same thing as running back. 
Oh, I mean, a kicker will make a million. Um, but, you know, that's the issue. I, but that that's, like, the issue, though, is that, like, you know, kickers, or, you know, kickers and punters average for the lowest salaries in the league, and yet a kicker is one of the most important, if not the most important, uh, player on the team. They can sink you. Whether you want whether you want them to or not, because they can't make an extra point or they can't make a field goal in a playoff game because it's cold, um, or they can't make a field goal because they were a second round pick that you traded up for because that worked out really well. Um, you know, whereas like running backs, again, very important. They're gonna have the ball in their hands 20 times a game. Obviously, we've now split running backs up with inside outsides, which changes the spectrum a little bit. They're no longer Curtis Martins or Marshall Falks or Edwin James, where you gave them the ball 30, 35 times a game in different ways, you know, handoffs, passing, whatnot. Um, you know, so there's a certain value to them, and everybody's value at this point, their peak value is Todd Gurley, which is $14 million a year. Nobody's getting more than that <laughs> because they, the Rams gave Todd Gurley that contract, and then he got hurt. <laughs> you know, and, yeah. and so everybody's a little worried about running backs, and that's why I say, look, I will draft you. I'll let you put out your first-year contract, and then we will move on, and I will get another one and another one and another one because that's how this league is set up now. It's just a constant rotation of running backs. Yeah, do not overpay for them because what motivation do they have? Bring Trey Mason back. We'll see if he's got his mind right, see, see what he does. But, hey, guys, before we go in a few minutes, do you guys mind talking a little baseball, or is that against the rules since football starting? Come on, man. I always talk baseball. Cuervo, is that okay with you? Absolutely. It's your show, Jason. boss. You will talk whatever you want. No, yeah, Jason. Jason, do you? All right. I'm, the reason I'm talking is because I'm just I'm sitting here watching the Braves, and, you know, I've been a Braves fan all my life, really, and, and they're a pretty good baseball team right now with a lot of injuries, but I just wanted to look at the – the Major League Baseball looking at what we're doing now. But, Jonathan, how lucky are the Braves right now that they're winning with all these injuries and they got the they got the Nationals getting full strength again, winning every game, just swept the Cubs. I'm sorry, Cuervo. They just, I think they just uh, swept the Cubs on the road. Yeah, they did. Atlanta just swept the Mets. Atlanta beat the Dodgers in the series before that, Jonathan. How are the Braves able to stay together? with all the injuries they had and they keep getting these guys and they step up and they perform. What do you think the chances are that the Braves can hold this lead in the the East to win it? They're six games up right now. Uh, They played 132. What is it? 167? How many they play now? 162? Yeah, there's 30 games left for y'all. Okay. So do you think, I mean, and it's, I'm not saying it's to be facetious. Six games leads can can really drop, especially when you're head to head. Looking at the Braves' schedule, do you think they're gonna? They're both eight and ten in their last ten. Braves have won eight in a row. The Nationals have won five in a row. But I think the turning point for the Braves was winning that series against the Dodgers. I don't know. It's something about that showed that hey, we're ready. We're ready to, to rock and roll. And one thing I like about these Braves, Jonathan, on the road, I, I think there's only one or two teams better on the road. I know Tampa in the American League, but there's mm-hmm. nobody, I believe, in the National League with a better road record than the Braves. So tell me, 
how are they able to keep winning baseball games with really not a great pitching staff? No, no. I mean, they got Soroka. He's their ace, but no really bullpen injuries to the shortstop outfield catcher. I mean, everybody on the team's hurt. How are they doing it? My question. Uh, Long story. And Kershaw just gave up a home run. Um, because the uh, because the offense is good at the end of the day. I mean, this is a really good Braves team. This is a team I, I predicted to win their division once again this year, and they have not proved me and wrong. You did and last no, year, I, you know, too. Yeah, and I don't think they're going to blow a six-game lead. Um, you know, they have a very good offense, obviously centered around uh, Mr. Ronald Acuna, who is <laughs> he is one of the best him. players in baseball. He is so much fun. I I love watching Freddie Freeman. Obviously, is fantastic at first base. Ozzy Albies uh, is good at second. Josh Donaldson had a great year uh, playing third. I mean, it's, it's an Atlanta team that did a really good job. And, and if you remember, I told you patience, patience, patience. I like the way they're rebuilding. You did. You did. You did. You really did. And Cuervo probably remembers that. I was like, Jonathan, are the Braves ever going to be good again? You said, give them a year or two and you'll see. And it was the next year the Braves won the division. I was like, damn, Jonathan, you're pretty. Jonathan knows more about baseball than anybody I've ever been around. That's why, Cuervo, we haven't talked baseball a lot with you, so I'm sure you know a lot. But uh, I just wanted to bring it up. I know. I know the Cubs are sitting here right now, two games out of first. That's your team. It's very important that you win these home games. Uh, what mm-hmm. surprised me, Cuervo, about your Cubs, 44-22 and 22 at home. I mean, just about unbeatable. They, lose, they get swept by the Nationals. I think they just caught them at the wrong time. But what do you feel about the Cubs right now, two games out of first in the Central? Not a great year for the Cubs. I mean, but the odds have them making the postseason about 60% to win the division. Uh, they're about uh-huh. 37%. Do you think the team's going to make it? If they don't, what do you think the reason will be? I think they I think they will. Of course, I'm hoping they will. But if they don't, I think it's because of the obvious, you know, in, in the bullpen. Uh, you know, the, the pitching has been struggling big time. Uh, but more importantly, the Cubs have lost the most games in Major League Baseball, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, you know, they have the most blown uh, games, or however blown you want saves. to say it. Blown saves, blown games. I mean, they just the bullpen just falls apart every time, and that that's going to be that's going to either make or break them this last this last month. Um, if they can start getting healthier, which uh, it's sounding like. Uh, with the exception of Brandon Morrow, who just went down for the rest of the year, so he's he's done. Uh, but if they can get, uh, you know, if they can get Kimbrel back uh, to what he's, you know, should be doing. I know he's he's back, but he's not quite there yet. Uh, you know, Tyler Chatwood needs to get back to where he normally is. Uh, but but the starting pitching overall too has been starting to struggle. You know, Lester hasn't been on his game. Quintana. Got yeah. got blown up yesterday, so you know just the, the pitching overall has been bad. You know the offense is doing what so, they need to do for the most part, but just the pitching is just not there. So why is the bullpen? I think it's widespread, Jonathan. Mm. When I look at baseball, it's not just the Braves, the Cubs, or whoever. The Mets. I mean, why are bullpens so bad these days? I mean, is it because they're being used a lot more? Pitchers aren't going past the sixth inning hardly anymore, five or six innings. I mean, 
why did bullpens in general suck? And you don't really see any dominant closers out there anymore. I mean, it's like at the Braves. Once they get into your bullpen, that's where they've won 75% of their games. They get into your bullpen, and then they, they skull drag you. Why is baseball struggling? I know juice balls are out there, people say, but I just don't think that's the reason. Well, so I'm, I'm glad that you brought this up because I wanted to go there. Um, look, outside of the Dodgers, I don't think there's a team in the National League with a good bullpen right now. And, I'm, and that's, that's just a, that's a fact um, at, at the end of the day. Uh, and nobody's had a consistent bullpen. Uh, throughout the year, uh, you know, you can hope that Craig, Craig Kimbrell is going to come back and, and be the Craig, Craig the, the, whatever. You can hope Kimbrell will come back and be the Kimbrell he was before. The issue there is that this is a pitcher home. Like, at some point, he's going to fall apart. Hello. Uh, he came in, what, halfway through the year? Not good. Um, who was he pitching against before that? Like, nobody. That's, that's, that's the whole thing. Is he's, he, you know, you're dealing with his spring training right now, and he's somebody who didn't look that good in the postseason last year. Uh, Major League Baseball does have a problem with the baseball. Uh, there, there's actually a really good article about it on The Athletic uh, about it, and part of it is that they changed the scenes a little bit, and it has led to uh, less movement on uh, secondary pitches. Like Masahiro Tanaka for the Yankees, really his splitter is not diving like it has before, and they have directly attributed that to the height of the scenes on a baseball and that, that, that's an issue that baseball needs to fix because, yes, more offense is fun, but uh, people kind of like good pitching, you know, especially yeah. when it's supposed to matter. Um, you know, I would <laughs> say another issue that you're seeing at a bullpen is that teams are over, overtly reliant now on finding a guy who throws high 90s into the hundreds, who doesn't have great command, who doesn't, you know, doesn't have great control and just kind of pipes it. You know, a flat, guys can hit flat 100 on our fastballs. Guys have a hard time hitting 95-mile-an-hour fastballs that move. That's what separates relievers from pitchers, yeah. at the, uh, from starting pitchers at the end of the day. You, know, you look at the Cubs, one of the things that I read flagged at the beginning of the year was your guys' pitching scare the hell out of me. Ha- you know, half my family are Cubs fans. It's a, it's a team that I do follow uh, quite intently. And, you know, you looked at it, John Lester was not good in the second half of the season last year. You probably weren't going to get much better results than you did last year from John Lester. Cole Hamels has been good, but at some point Cole Hamels' age was going to take over, and obviously he got dinged. Quintana has not been the guy he was in the south side uh, when he just moved, what, at, you know, 45 minutes north. Um, you know, Tyler Chatwood cannot find a strike zone. Uh, I don't know what happened to Tyler uh, from moving from Colorado or in, in Anaheim to Chicago, but whatever it was, they, they've spent two years trying to fix it, and they can't. And not only that, but some of these managers are really bad at deploying bullpens. Uh, case in point, Joe Madden is horrible at utilizing a bullpen. Uh, I think Cub fans will remember that yeah. from the World Series when he almost killed a Lotus Chapman in Game 6 for no reason. Um, <laughs> you know, in, in the American yeah. League, there are teams with good bullpens. The Indians have a good bullpen. The Rays, all in all, have a good bullpen and have dealt with injuries uh, this year. They just lost Jose Alvarado uh, yesterday to an elbow injury. And the Rays, of all teams, have had to piece together bullpens, uh, considering that they lost Blake well, Snell, well, Tyler Glasnow, Yanni Torino's out of their rotation. Is American League better because they don't have to hit the pitchers and they leave their starters in longer maybe? I mean, 
I don't know. I just no. feel like these teams are getting into their bullpen after the fifth inning, and they and not only that, Jonathan, it's not that they're getting hit. I'm seeing so many leadoff walks in baseball now. It's like these guys come in, they can't even throw a strike, and all of a sudden it's first and second, nobody out, and then and then it explodes. I, I just don't know. Cuervo and Jonathan, you've got Jason, tell me. I mean, I know you mentioned the scenes, but there's something else going on. It's just it, there's an offensive explosion. There's been a revolution uh, offensively, and it, you know with the swing adjustments and like I said, the baseball's been altered with, and and you know the the whole leadoff walk thing and whatnot. I mean that's just a sign, and to me, of a pitcher who can't command a game. Um, you know, like the Dodgers have a good bullpen, the Yankees have a good bullpen, the Indians have a good bullpen, the Rays have a good bullpen. Outside of that, there's nobody whose bullpen I trust. And the Yankees invested heavily and, and, and in their those bullpen. Are teams that can win the World Series. Those are teams that you named. I know Tampa's unlucky to be in the East right now in the American League, where they're seventy-six and fifty-six and may not even make the playoffs. I mean, yeah. but you, you get in the you get in the postseason like this, Cuervo. And I love the Braves. I love them. But what's going to happen when they get in there against a series against the Dodgers, where everything matters and and you put that bullpen, your guys are used to going six innings, and now you're trying to get them to go seven or eight, they're not going to be able to perform. They're not going to be able to pitch. Their body pitching is a repetition, right, guys? It's muscle memory. Mm -hmm. If you're pitching Mm -hmm. six innings every night, Jonathan, what do you do when you're asked to go eight? Can you do it? Uh, I mean, obviously that's 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 a tough part of the game. You know, it's all about pitch counts now and how guys handle it. But as we saw in the postseason last year, managers were not afraid to have quick triggers uh, on their guys. And I forgot Houston has a good bullpen. I'm sorry, uh, another team that is a World Series yeah, contender. Um, but you know, in 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 the playoffs, people have quick triggers now uh, on their pitchers, and they're not afraid to pull them after three or four and go to the bullpen. You know, and at that point, <laughs> I mean it. You, you, at the end of the day, you need to start. You need at least one of your pitchers. He, maybe he's not a starter, as we've seen with the Rays do with the opener, and certain other teams have adopted that this year. Um, but you need somebody who's going to eat bulk innings. You need somebody to do it, whether they start the game, whether they come in the second inning, whatever it is. Um, the problem is a lot of these teams, they don't really have enough of the quality bulk guys, or in my eyes, are just not managing the situation right. Uh, like I hate to I hate to say this, but Atlanta, look, you guys have about ten starting pitchers between AAA and and your major league roster. That I would just show up now. Yeah, just yeah, you use maybe, them. Maybe, maybe it's four innings. Maybe you bring in two guys, have them each go four innings. That's eight innings. You just need one more inning. You know, I mean, the Houston Astros are the ones who experimented with this the most in their minor leagues. Uh, they call it piggybacking. You have somebody start the game, he goes about half the game, and you have somebody else who comes in and finishes it out, and maybe, you know, if needs, you go to a closer or whatnot. Like, I think piggybacking I is, a, is a legitimate system. Yeah, I I, I do like that. But, uh, Cuervo, what, what are your thoughts about why bullpens are getting lit up and why why before? You know, we go back five years ago, we, we had some good – you know, middle relievers, setup men, and closers. I mean, once it got used to with the Yankees, you got to the seventh inning, it's over. I mean, your pitcher goes six. If you can't hit the starter in six innings, you're done. So what what do you think's happened? Tyler strike zone, I mean. 
I think that has very little to do with it. I mean, sometimes it'll factor in a game every now and then where, you know, you think a, a strike or a ball is a strike, but it has very little effect on it. Honestly, I just, you know, when you, when you really take a look at it, I just think overall, yes, you know, the offensive uh, changes in the game and, and and how many more power hitters you have and, and stuff like that. Uh, but I just think the quality, just overall quality of pitching has, has really gone down because, like you said, you know, you think about dominant closers, okay? Let's go back 10 years. You know, you can still name those guys off the top of your head, Mariano Rivera, Trevor Hoffman, yeah. you know, all those guys that were dominant closers, dominant bullpen guys. Um, John Smoke. You know, Joel jo- – yeah, Smoltz and Zemaya from Detroit back when he would be on before he blew his arm out. Um, now, you look at now, it's it's a debate on who the best closer in baseball is. Is it Kelly Jansen? Is it whoever? I don't even know who the guy in Houston is. And Houston is one of the best teams in Major League Baseball. I couldn't even tell you who the, who the closer is because it's just – that aspect of the game doesn't dominate like it used to. I just think the quality of pitching overall uh, when it comes to bullpens and closers are just, it's not what it once was. You still got your big name starters, you know, Chris Sale, who's no longer going to be around for the season that, that the Red Sox are in trouble, but uh, you know, uh, Clayton Kershaw and Verlander. And so, you know, starting pitchers, you know, you still got some really good ones and you can name the aces, but, when it comes to the after that, it's I just think the quality's not there, guys. That's just my opinion. Well, well, Jonathan, what would it be like if if you know you take a couple of minor leaguers that are pretty dominant starters in AAA or whatnot, and you bring them into the bullpen when you bring them up to the majors? Just say, like you said, the piggybacking. What if you brought one in the pitch the seventh, or maybe two inning seventh and eighth, and another one the ninth? Would they be? able to do that do you think because starters seem to be you know pretty good i mean they're able to last <clears throat> six seven innings where these relievers are just getting tore the hell up well, what if you started experimenting with that but making your rotation where starters are actually coming in middle relief sometimes or maybe closing a game out i don't know i mean but there's there's something going on that my brain's not smart enough to figure out and uh, well, if, I just wanted some input from you guys. If you guys remember in the 70s and 80s, which obviously is before my time, I know it's the 70s or <laughs> maybe very young years or early years, but 80s, um, you know, back then relievers used to go to innings. They used to go through They were true firemen, right? You brought them in when the pitcher could no longer go. This, Dennis Eckersley perfect example, who was a starting pitcher who became a relief yeah. pitcher, right? He would come mm-hmm. in and with flamethrowing and be dominant. Uh, Mariano Rivera was a starting pitcher that wasn't working out that they moved to the uh, to the bullpen and said, just learn two pitches. And that's what he did. Um, you know, so, I mean, it, Major League Baseball as itself needs to figure itself out at the end of the day. That's my bigger issue with it, uh, is that I don't think these teams, because they're afraid of blowing a kid's arm out. Look, Guys get hurt all the time. It just happens. And now, if you remember, I mean, at least with the Rays, I don't know if a bunch of other teams have done this, but with the Rays, whenever they got to the postseason, 
their top starting pitching prospect would come up and pitch our bullpen. David Price, his debut as a Tampa Bay Double Ray, was as a relief pitcher in the playoffs. And, you know, his big moment, his first big moment with the Rays was he pitched against the Red Sox in the ALCS as a relief pitcher. You know, so, you know, some of these teams were forward-thinking when it comes to that, and they do move guys ahead into the bullpen to work starters because you just want to get them in there. Josh Hader for the Milwaukee Brewers was phenomenal last year. I mean, one of the best seasons you're ever going to see from a relief pitcher. This year has been good, not great. Um, He was a starting pitcher in the minors who they converted to the bullpen and were like, look, we can get two, three innings out of this guy. I mean, the Rays have the whole opener thing because the idea was, well, we need one guy to go one, two innings, another guy to go, let's say, three to five, and then go from there, right? And that's also a good way of breaking in a young guy because you can build up his confidence because he misses the top of the rotation or the top of batting or the first go-around. I mean, there, there's a big systematic thing here in my eyes of what we can do to fix pitching when it comes to, uh, to, to baseball. But at the end of the day, go back to the original baseball. Stop playing with it because they played with it a little bit last year. They played with the core last year. This year they played with the scenes and they lowered them so guys can't grip it as well which is why you've seen the pitchers in Colorado who were like kind of okay at home last year are now horrible because their breaking balls aren't breaking at all. Um, you know, so you know, take that, go back to the regular same old baseball. Let the guy juice. <laughs> I don't care. Let him use TED. If yeah. you want more home runs and you want more Bring power, you want more runs. Back. Yeah. <laughs> Let these guys use their stuff again. If they get caught because they broke a, a federal law or whatever, well, that's on you. We're not saying it's okay. We're just not banning it, right? It's kind of like hockey. Yeah, if you where hockey, you know, you yeah, had the, the the hockey player from Russia who got caught for cocaine, and the NHL is like, he's not in trouble for it, but don't do that. Like that's the same rules that we should kind of have with our leagues. Is hey man, don't do that. But I'm not saying you can't because we're not going to test you for it. Uh, you know, I, I mean, I baseball should, just I has to try don't. cocaine before a show here. I should try that and see how amped I am. But you know that's just that's my thing. Is I, you know, I think you know once you fix the base, the base, once you get the baseball back to regular, and the major leagues, and then we go ahead and we have a true actual overhaul and discussion about how to utilize start uh, pitching correctly in baseball, you'll see it fixed. But baseball is trying to get yeah. up with football, okay. and the way they think they can get up with football and basketball is by scoring. Well, well, Cuervo, before we go, we're out of time. But are you pumped? for the NFL and college football, man? Are, are you just – I mean, you, I, I think you're giddy, aren't you? I mean, it's just like you and Sonny. I know Sonny is. I missed your show today, by the way. My son was – he takes a nap during that time, and I was going to call, and I fell asleep, so I apologize. Um, <laughs> are you pumped? Come on, Brian. That's like asking, do I like money? Of course I'm pumped. Of course I'm excited. This is the best time of the year. Football starting, baseball playoffs are going to be kicking off pretty soon. It's one of the best times of the year, gentlemen. And, uh, and the weather gets cooler. So here's a question. Are That's you more right. excited about watching the Bears game one or trying your first Popeye's chicken sandwich? Which one? Uh, well, <laughs> hey, as they say, closest alligator to the boat, right? So as soon as we get off uh, the air, I'm going to go attempt to see if the Popeye's drive-thru is packed or not. And see if I can get me a sandwich. Where, and, where and do I'll you live? You know how I like where it. do you live? Where do you live? Uh, do you live in Los Angeles? 
No, 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 no. I'm south of that uh, in a town called Oceanside, right outside of uh, the uh, base over here in Camp Pendleton. Okay, do not mention my name. You could get it spit in, so just go in there and order it and uh, <laughs> enjoy it. Get the spicy, get the spicy sandwich. And uh, okay. real quick, playoff playoff predictions, Jonathan. If I put Auburn in my playoffs, am I in my homer right now? Yeah. I have a good feeling about this team this year. You're being a homer, but if I will I, say if that I said, this is, if I said this is an Auburn year, that'd be crazy. No, yeah, I have Auburn tendency. Yeah, I mean, is ten is ten and two good enough to get them in the playoffs? No. With that schedule. No. If they won the SEC. I, no, as they've seen from the committee over the past four years. Do you need to have zero one losses to make the playoffs? No, Auburn was ten and two uh, going into the SEC championship game two years ago, and if, had they, they would Georgia, not have they would have not have made the playoffs. They would have put Alabama in. No, no, no. I'm serious. Think, no, I don't think no, it's I right. Think it I'm just telling you what Auburn. they would have done. Auburn beat Georgia by thirty. They beat Alabama by two scores. If had they beat Georgia. At, at eleven and two, they were already ranked ahead of Alabama after they beat Bama. So, after by the committee, so after they, I think they were ranked two. So it was, uh, yeah, they were ranked number two going into the SEC championship game. So you're saying had they beaten Georgia and went eleven and two, that meant Georgia wouldn't have made it. So you're saying Auburn wouldn't even have made the playoffs right then. I'm not certain that the playoff committee would have put Auburn in at that time because they have been dumb. I'm not saying it's right. I would have put Auburn in. You would have put Auburn in. Everybody would have put Auburn in. What I'm saying is until the committee puts in a two-loss team in that situation, I do not believe they will put a two-loss team into the playoff unless, you know, we've exhausted all the one losses and and undefeateds in Power Five. Well, remember, they lost the first game of the year to Clemson um, mm-hmm. by six. They blew a 20-point lead on the road at LSU, and yeah. that was really their only losses of the year. So this is, like you said, this could be a year for Auburn, but what do you think about Florida State? Where are they going to be? And then we'll go to Cuervo for Tennessee before we get off here. Um, Boy, uh, Florida State, huh? Um. I think this team can go anywhere from seven and five to nine and three. If they go nine and three, that means they don't lose a game at home um, or in Jacksonville, which should have been a home game. But, anyways, um, seven and five. I mean, look, at the end of the day, it's all about our offensive line. Uh, I love everything else on this team. Well, maybe not the linebackers, but they're okay. Um, so, we're anywhere from seven and five to nine and three. Uh, I think we're either going to be in the Camping World Bowl or we're going to be in the uh, pinstripe bowl. Uh, and I will not be watching the Florida state Clemson game. <laughs> um, as of Jeez. right now, I am planning on making my first voyage to death Valley to watch Florida lose to LSU. Okay. Cuervo, Tennessee, what are you expecting? And uh, what's acceptable for you this year? What do you want to see? Um, I'd like to see them win at least eight games, but uh, yeah, I think the yeah, reality is that they're going to win 
probably six or seven. They'll barely make it to a bowl game if they're lucky. Um, I don't know, maybe I'm crazy for even saying that, but I, 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 think, I, think, I, think, I think Tennessee will win seven. I don't. Yeah, I'd say seven, six or seven. Yeah, I mean, that's not crazy. They have a great home schedule this year. I mean, um, they got a lot of winnable games at home, and uh, I yeah. like their coach. I think I think they're going to be tougher. I think they're going to be in more games. I think when I talk to Tennessee fans, Cuervo, it's not just about winning the games. It's about competing in some of those bigger games like Georgia, yeah. Alabama. Oh, absolutely. Um, competing. Like you may lose the game, but, but you lost by 10. You know, Florida, you should beat them, but, you know, you, know, you don't want to get blown out by anyone, but – that's, to, to me, Tennessee, what I want to see this year, how they compete for four quarters against the top-tier teams. And, you know, playing in the SEC East, and, and you got to play you got to play Bama every year from the West. Uh, lucky you, just like us. But you, you want to be in those games and make it a game. So I think this year is very important uh, for your team to, to finish and, and compete in those games. I mean – Eight wins, I, that's not impossible for Tennessee with this schedule this year. I don't, I don't think it's impossible. It all depends on uh, Guarantano, the quarterback, and the offensive line giving him some protection. I think if they can do that, they can they, – and I think they'll beat somebody that they're not supposed to. So they're, they're going to sneak up and get somebody. But if they win all the games they're supposed to win, I think they finish 7-5, and 8-4, and four, somewhere around there. Yeah, yeah. So that's absolutely. a key one. Um, well, mm-hmm. well, guys, we're out of time, but I'm, I'm going to try to put together a show if we can. I don't know if you guys would be willing to do one Thursday night or even Friday night. I know I have a fantasy draft, but I can do radio and do that at the same time. But I would like to, the closer we get to Saturday, I'd like to get another show on so we can give our predictions and everything. Of course. Absolutely. So, anyway. Yep. All right. Well, guys, have a great night. Thanks for joining us. Jason, have a good night again. Congratulations for tying the knot. I wish you a long, happy, healthy marriage. Everybody take care. God bless. We'll see you soon. College and NFL football, they're back, baby. All right, y'all. Good night. Good night.